kid at heart. Before we jump into the Bible, uh, I just want to give you guys a few announcements of things to come. Um, first off, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Blake. It's amazing what noises burly men can make. It's crazy. But three things coming up. First, uh, our formal business church meeting. Yes, you heard that correctly. Rimrock Downtown was having a formal business church meeting. has been postponed one week. Instead of today, due to a majority of our core families being gone, we're going to bump it back a week. That's the beauty of being a small church. We can just modify our schedule based on the millennial couple's schedules as they travel around the country. You heard me, parishes, Mobergs are right there. I'm glad you guys are here. All right, Falcons. Two other things coming up um, that you can use to make God your priority. First one, uh, my wife and I, we own cabins up by Mount Rushmore, and every year we section off our nicest cabins to have a retreat. And that comes up in two weeks. It's on the 28th and 29th of August. Um, we just pull away major- or a max of 12 people. It only costs what we pay for food. Um, and a chance to pull away and show God, man, you are who we care about more than anything else for the next 36 or 48 hours. If you're interested at all, come and talk to me. Um, I can just give you information on that. The second one, uh, this will be our third year as a church doing what we call 21 Days of Intention. It'll start September 6th, which is a Sunday, but 21 days of intentionally pursuing God, of intentionally making Him our priority. And we'll tell you a lot more about this as it comes up. Um, But I just wanted to plant that thought in your mind. How can you, over three weeks in September, make God your priority? We'll be teaching as we go through it as well. Awesome. You guys ready for the word? Okay. So, when you talk to people about church, most often, if not always, you ask what church they go to. Which usually means what building do you go to on a Sunday morning in order to sing songs for 30 45 minutes, and then listen to a man or a woman teach about the Bible for the remaining half an hour. And that basically wraps up the conversation that you have with people about church. Americans, really all people, define church as a building where people congregate once a week to sing and learn about God. We see it as a place that exists so that people can fulfill their spiritual needs once, maybe twice a week, really with a self-serving focus. We come and sit in fancy buildings and listen to talented musicians and inspirational speakers and then go on with our day, maybe having a comment or two about how good or bad their performance was. I know what you're thinking, right? I do the same thing. This is true, isn't it? But in the book of Acts, we see that in the early days of Christianity, followers of Jesus approached the idea of church in a much different and, in my opinion, a much better way. Scattered throughout the stories of the disciples doing miraculous things and boldly standing up against the authority of their day, we see a community being created. A group of men and women who are united by their common belief in Jesus. We see this community spending a lot of time together in order to encourage and support each other emotionally, spiritually, monetarily, And they do this in all different types of settings. Yes, one of them is the temple, but they also do it in their homes, their jobs, their hobbies. For them, church, or the Greek word ekklesia, was their community. One Bible commentator's definition of ekklesia is a group 
or assembly of people called together for a particular purpose. In all the different ways that we see the word church used throughout the Old and New Testament, it is always referring to the people of God. Sometimes in a universal sense, like we see Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is talking to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's a universal church, worldwide, every single individual that will come into the kingdom of God. But far more often we see this word used to refer to the smaller communities that are scattered throughout the towns of the Roman Empire. An example in 1 Corinthians. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who, catch that pronoun, who, are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. That means that in a biblical sense, we are the church. You and I are Rimrock. It has nothing to do with this building or the main campus. It is our community. The individuals that have been chosen to be a part of this group. Those that believe that the God of the Bible is real. Those of us who have been saved from our own foolishness by grace and grace alone. Those of us who are being slowly transformed from one image to another by the power of His Spirit. We are the church. And over and over throughout the Bible, Ecclesia, or the people of God, are called together for specific purposes. In what we're looking at in Acts 6, 1-7, through 7, we see some of these purposes laid out. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables, or another translation, to keep accounts. Therefore, friends or brothers, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the serving of the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Taman, Parmas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples greatly increased in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now in these seven verses, the first thing I want to point out is more of a concept. The church did not exist to simply meet the needs of those involved. The church did not exist, therefore the church does not exist to meet the needs of those involved. This is more of an overarching theme. Nowhere in this passage do we see anything mentioned about the people of the church simply showing up to be served or entertained. Throughout the other passages in Acts that show the community, it is all about people coming together to worship God and to build their community. Let me show you Acts 2, 46 and 47. Day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now the reason I focus in specifically on this is because of the way our culture approaches church. Mega churches and online venues have created a fully different idea of what church is. 
instead of it being a community that gathers on a regular basis to worship God and support each other, it, sh- it is a show that's put on to produce intense emotion. Some worship experiences are much more of a theatrical experience than a community gathering together. Now, I know there's great value in these experiences. I've definitely been strongly impacted by them. But it seems like this approach to church has begun to change people's minds of what the Bible says church should be. A group or assembly of people called together for a particular purpose. Instead, we see it through a consumerist mindset. We show up with the intention of being catered to for an hour. It is often that we see it as a way to get a quick spiritual fix. And when we approach it in this way then, at best, all that we will get will be temporary and limited. I believe this is a major reason why so few followers of Jesus attend church services on a regular basis. It's because we see the purpose of church through a diluted and selfish lens. So if we want more of an Acts-style experience, how should we view church? You know, in Acts 6, I see four different things that show why the church exists. Provide ways for people to be surrounded by fellow believers. Prayer. Helping those in need and spreading the word. I'm going to roll through these. If any of them kind of gain your attention or pique interest, please spend time praying over that one. Now, throughout the entire book of Acts, it's easy to see the church or the community of believers that it does not exist for just an hour-long, once-a-week worship experience. However, there is great value in our weekly gatherings. So before we look at the other reasons that Rimrock exists, I want to explicitly state that there's a lot of good in approaching church in the traditional form, one hour a week. Now, one of the disciples' chosen roles is to teach the truth that is found in the Bible. We see this in Acts 6, 3, and 4. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. This idea of serving the word, teaching, most likely happened during regular gatherings, which most likely had some form of music. If you read through the Psalms, you can see the Israelites' uh, love and appeal towards things like poetry and song. Now, for me, I gain so much when I gather together with fellow believers to worship God and to learn more of the way of who He is and how I should live, even though I usually walk out of these settings with nothing profound having having happened and only one or two thoughts at most going through my mind about the entire message or sermon. Can you guys connect, relate with that? It's so easy to not know anything of what you experience. However, each week when I do this, something deeper seems to occur within me, almost on like a subconscious level. By being immersed in a God-centered community, it seems to put my mind and emotions in better spots, more focused on what is real, and then more open to seeking God and what He desires in the days to come. Let me give you an analogy, a scientific-based analogy of this. You guys have heard of osmosis before? I will butcher the the meaning of osmosis, but it's the idea of particles, like small little things, passing from one substance to another through a barrier. 
our minds and emotions experience osmosis on a daily basis. We so often believe that our minds are impenetrable and we are who we want to be and we will only do what we know we should do. But man, every day what we are surrounded by in small or in major ways infiltrates the way that we think, the way that we feel, what we believe, and therefore what the way that we act. By gathering with other people who know and love God on a regular basis in order to worship Him and to learn more about how we were created to live, it provides us with far more than we know. On a much deeper level, we are influenced. Our weekly gatherings, our weekly worship sets should never be seen as the full extent of our church, but they do provide opportunities to be positively influenced by your Creator. But the rate of your osmosis or the level at which you will be influenced is heavily dependent on how you approach your time. If you simply walk in, find a seat without making any eye contact, when anybody looks at you or comes near you, act like you're reading the bulletin, I've been that person for sure, right? And you leave the moment the closing prayer is done, then your rate of osmosis may be extremely limited. But if you're willing to hang out a little longer and talk to at least one person, engage, that's the idea, engage with your community, then you have a far greater chance of experiencing much more of what God designed the church to be. I'll say it for the fourth time. A group or assembly of people called together for a particular purpose. If you want to experience the support and the encouragement of a community, then you must engage with the people in that community. And the once-a-week, hour-long services are easy and convenient ways to do this. It simply requires us to understand that the church or ecclesia is designed to be a group or assembly of people that gather together for a particular purpose. Now I see three different purposes listed in Acts 6 besides gathering to encourage. First one is prayer. Along with serving and teaching the word, the disciples were responsible for devoting themselves to prayer. Throughout the entire New Testament, all the letters that are written, we see prayer as a central command from both Paul and Peter that they give to the churches. Simply put, prayer is the idea of exchanging wishes. I read a commentator, um, translator, define church in that way, to exchange wishes. This idea of us giving our wishes or desires to God so that either he can confirm or replace them with his. Prayer is when a person or a community comes before their creator to seek guidance, to seek comfort, to seek his miraculous hand in their lives. And this seems to be what the Bible shows should be a major purpose of Rimrock, to come together in order to seek God's goodness for each other, to unite as brothers and sisters as we seek God's purposes for us and we fight against the broken and dark world that surrounds us. And honestly, I don't know why and how prayer works, but I have found that it is a powerful tool that we must use as a community. When I have been confused or in a really painful or desolate place, when a person comes alongside me and helps me make my request known to God, then always, and I'm very serious about that word, always it brings me a level of comfort, and at times I've even gotten direction of what I'm supposed to do. 
Now, we definitely have the ability to pray on our own, and we should. But there is such power in doing it with others. Check out what Jesus says about it in Matthew 18. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is a deep passage, and I don't fully understand it, but you see what Jesus is saying? Like when you gather together and seek his will, it is what he wants. Another purpose of the church we see in Acts 6 is helping the marginalized. We see this in the first verse. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected in daily distribution of food. So for those of you who are a little Bible nerdy, I'll give you a quick insight into this. Hellenists, those were most likely Jews who spoke Greek because they were born outside of Palestine or like the heart of Israel. The Hebrews were Jews who spoke in their native tongue because they were born in Palestine. So we have like somewhat of a geographical discrimination here. And this is a a topic for an entirely different sermon. What I want us to see right now is what they are doing. Daily distributing food to widows. And when, regardless of when you look in human history, widows can definitely be seen as those who are in need of help. But even more so if you focus in on a patriarchal society. Time when the culture believed that men were stronger, therefore more important, than women. And this is definitely what Palestine in the first century was. So when a woman's husband died, unless she had children to support her, she was in a really hard spot, a position in which she might not even be able to meet her most basic needs. That is why the church steps in, to help widows meet their most basic needs. We see this command throughout the entire Bible, that people should help care for those who are marginalized. In the prophets, these are men and women who God gave messages to then share to his people. We see this theme occur over and over. Specifically, God instructs them to care for widows, orphans, and foreigners or strangers. We see God's heart expressed by David in Psalms 146. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. And it's easy to understand why widows and orphans need help. They are literally helpless, in need of people stepping into their worlds to bring them what they need to survive. During this time frame, foreigners, strangers, also fall into the same category. As a foreigner, you're most likely a wanderer. You have no family or countrymen to support you. In many ways, foreigners are like homeless people now, those who do not have stability those who do not have steady income and shelter, those who do not have a community around them to encourage and support them. What I love, I don't know what thoughts are going through your head right now, but what I love in the Bible, God does not give these small little disclaimers saying, do not support the foreigner if they were kicked out of their country for the bad things that they did. Do not support the foreigner if they made poor choices and wandered off from a very stable home. Do not support the foreigner if they could go back and make their lives right. He says, support the foreigner. God desires for people who are being marginalized to be loved and cared for. Let's look at Psalms 146 again so you can see 
where I'm getting this. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. God has called his people, the church, rim rock, to make concerted efforts to come alongside those in need. The last thing I see in terms of the purpose of the church from Acts 6 is that we are called to spread the word of God. See this in verse 7. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Which that's so cool, priests becoming obedient to their faith. Now we see evangelism throughout the entire book of Acts. The apostles simply telling other people about what they have found. Describing how they were lost and broken, and then God stepped into their lives and had brought them more goodness than they could have ever brought to their own lives. This is definitely a major purpose of God's people, to glorify Him. Let's look at Psalms again, Psalms 34. I love the way David puts it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. If you think about it, like the last song that Josh was singing, every good thing we have is from God himself. Because of this, he should be the one that we are continually praising, continually telling others about. Now, if you're doubting or feeling nervous about this being a command that God has given to Rimrock, Check out these verses. Matthew 28. And the, the 12, nope. Is there another one in there? Matthew 28. Go into all nations, making disciples. Oh, man. Making me use my fingers. So Jesus is about to leave the earth, and he says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. I know you guys have heard that before, but that's a direct instruction to his disciples, to the church, to go and share the word of who he is. Do you have 2 Corinthians 18 on there? Man, my secretary is going to get a serious talking to. So 2 Corinthians 5, and this one is just so profound that i got to flip to it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All this, right, the fact that everything old has become new, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Did you guys hear that? Entrusting the message of reconciliation to us, to his people, to those whom he had saved. And from the example of the early church, we see that as followers of Jesus, we are called to do more than attend or watch a church service once a week as a consumer. As members or participants of Rimrock, we are called to gather on a regular basis to support and encourage one another, to pray together, to help those in need, and then to spread the word about God. As a church or a group or assembly of people called together for a particular purpose, we have been given specific responsibilities. 
things that God desires for his people to do so that more of his goodness can come into our broken world. Now to make this application, make the application of these biblical premises completely obvious, I got a question for you. In the account in Acts that we just looked at, who was doing all the work? Was it just Peter and John? Was it just the disciples that were doing the work? Don't have an answer? Let's look. It's Acts 6, 2 through 5. And the twelve called together the whole community, and the disciples said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables or keep accounts. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing. You see what's happening here. The main lesson from this passage is that it is impossible, impossible for just a few people to do all that God has called a community to do. Because God has plans for each church to do far more than perform once a week for an hour, it requires everyone in a community to jump in. Ephesians 4 helps make this obvious. In several places throughout the New Testament, ecclesia or church is translated as body. It is a metaphor to help us better understand how we should see the church. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the church, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And that's one to go home and read a few times and meditate on the ramifications of that. We all know the importance of every single part of our body. With any piece missing, we would not be able to do the things that we want to do. The same is true of the church of Rimrock. Every single one of us has been designed to bring what only we can bring to our community. And I believe one of the most destructive misconceptions within our culture is the purposes of a church. We believe that they are to be carried out by the pastor, the worship director, and a few other nerdy people who have nothing else going on in their lives. According to the Bible, though, we are each made to be a part of the church so that way it can accomplish what God calls it to do. Imagine what Rimrock downtown would be able to be used by God to do if 30, 40, 50 people were passionate about carrying out the calling of the church. The power of 30, 40, 50 people would be staggering if we took it to the level that the Bible describes we should take it. So, let me give you some specific challenges. When it comes to our weekly gathering, in what ways could you get involved? It could be as simple as talking to people. Helping our community build itself up in love by being friendly. Or it could be playing in the band. Or running the media. It could be hanging out with kids and teaching them about the God of the Bible. Or it could be serving coffee. During the rest of the week, how could you get involved with God's purposes for the church? Right? Like building our community, or prayer, or helping those in need, or spreading the word. For community, join a small group. We have three going through the summer. We're going to have one every day this week in the fall. Bring food to one of our community gatherings. We'll have at least one once a month, probably more. Or make an event of your own where people can come to get together to have fun and grow in relationships. With prayer, 
when you're talking to somebody who is experiencing pain, ask to pray for them. Or create times to gather for prayer. We don't have any prayer gatherings downtown. How sweet would that be if three, four, five people showed up once a week to do that? Or create a format through which people can ask for prayer. It can be like a bulletin board. It could be online. In terms of helping those in need, grab a blessing bag on your way out. They're on your left. Just a bag of essentials that you can hand out to people as the Spirit directs you. Or rally people to serve with you at the Cornerstone. Or with Love, Inc. Or Wavy. There's so many organized um, ways to approach the helpless here, the people that are in need. Or come up with your own way to help and invite other people from our community to be involved. Use our facility to do so. We are in a prime spot right in the middle of the city to help those who are in need. When it comes to spreading the word of God, go to Derek's Skate Church on Tuesdays at 5.30. Right? Bring food. Hang out with a bunch of punk kids and show them love. It's so enjoyable. Right? You can even try to skateboard like my wife did and broke her hip. Right? You gain their sympathy and then you can evangelize. Right? Or invite people to one of our gatherings, like the Sundays when our kids will be watched when the service is done, so that way we can hit the town going out to lunch. Right? That's going to start in October. Free babysitter? Who doesn't want to come for that? And then they get to experience what we do here. Or invite them to a small group, so that way they can talk about life and experience God with other people. Or make a video of one of your personal experiences where God stepped into your life so that way I can show it during a service or we can post it on Facebook. Right? With technology, there's such convenient ways to evangelize. And these are all simply ideas. Do whatever you feel best fits your personality, your talents, your gifts, and will bring God glory. And do whatever God is calling you to do. Today, if you stop for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and you ask God, all right, what do you want me to do? And you don't even have to stop for 10 minutes. If you ask him over and over throughout the day, take five seconds, God, what do you want me to do this week? How do you want to use me to be your church in my community this week? I promise you something will pop into your head. And then it's your choice what you do with that. If you want to experience far more than the consumerist of our culture experience with church, then you must seek God and obey what He calls you to do. All right. We're out of time. Sorry, Josh. We'll end with prayer. So, if this is something that's resonating with you, pray with me right now. I'm just going to pray personally, but... Insert your own thoughts into this. God, you have redeemed me. You have saved me from utter foolishness, the destruction that I created. Because of that, I want to praise you. I want to give you glory. I want to just honor your name far more than anything else. So please show me how to do that. Show me how to use who I am, my talents, my personality, the things that you've given me, my money, my resources, my time. Show me how to use those things in order to bring you glory. Spirit, you are within me. I know you're real and I know you can speak to me, so I give you total permission to lead me this week in order to bring you glory. Above everything else, God, your will be done. Amen.